to the 2023 Bunga Cast Reading Club, where we're focusing on three big themes across the year, freedom, legitimacy, and globalization. So thank you to everyone who's been with us throughout this year so far, um, going through this question of freedom. As you'll probably know by now, the first four episodes of this year have been dedicated to Martin Hegland and his 2019 book, This Life, Secular Faith and Spiritual Freedom, which we're going to continue to discuss today and try to wrap up by looking at some of the critics. But before that, hello, Phil. Hello, George. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm quite excited. I'm quite excited to do this because although it's the fourth episode that we're doing now dedicated to the same book, now we're not focusing so directly on the book and kind of going back and reading these critiques and Hagelin's response to them and kind of thinking a little bit more broadly. I'm like, damn, that's that's a good book. <laughs> damn, that's a good book. And I'm, I'm happy to spend more time yeah. with it and its ideas. It is actually really striking how much commentary it's produced and good, you know, high qualities. I mean, as we'll talk about in a moment, I guess, but high quality um, discussion and also discussion in good faith as well. So much of the um, so much of the debate that you see on the left is, you know, either fantastically tedious or bad faith or sectarian. But it is actually quite striking to see um, a measured debate from, you know, from kind of... uh, people who are eminent in one way or another um, willing to engage in in a serious discussion about something ultimately basic about the nature of left-wing politics. I mean, but does that suggest that it's sort of too easy? There's only one of, of the uh, related to the uh, reviews and kind of analyses that we read that kind of basically dismisses the book entirely. I mean, do you want everybody to to uh, enjoy, to love the book that you put out? Shouldn't, don't you want some people to just reject it and to, to dismiss well, which it? One, to, which one do you, which one rejected it? So I think uh, the Jody Dean piece in the um, LA mm. Review of Books was yeah. not too um, complimentary. When Phil said the thing about bad faith, I actually immediately thought of that one. Um, anyway, let, let's, neither, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Did. Yeah, but neither did Robert Pippin, so I don't think he was the only one who rejected it. So right, yeah, yeah. and you know, you know, quality um, goes beyond politics. It can be recognized, you know, beyond beyond uh, even from differing political views. I think everyone would recognize that it's a good book. So anyway, um, in going through this um, through Hegelin's important and inspiring but very readable book, and we've been going through chapter by chapter. Now, what we want to do is, as I said in the last episode, try to kind of put his concepts to work. And we're going to do that by surveying how the book's been received and looking at the critiques it's attracted. Um, and we want to be kind of thoroughgoing in doing this and understanding the reception and the critiques. And there's a whole bunch of um, debates um, about his book on Martin Hegland's website, um, with some journals carrying multiple replies. There's a London, uh, excuse me, LA Review of Books symposium, and we've selected a couple from those to focus on, um, kind of read a whole bunch of them and 
tried to narrow it down just a little bit, um, down to a couple of them, cutting out, for example, Jody Dean's one, which uh, Martin Hagelin responds to it by saying, Jody Dean's claims are completely off target, and Dean manages to misconstrue not only my arguments, but those advanced by Marx, <laughs> which um, is one of the reasons mm. why I kind of excluded that one, not because it takes a strong line against Hagelin's book, but I, you know, you've got to make cuts somewhere. And what I've tried to do in kind of selecting the pieces that we're going to discuss and the critiques that we're going to discuss is in focusing on those which, I guess, one shed contrast, obviously, with, with Hagland, and ideally, as much as possible, look at the politics um, of the question. These are all yeah. critiques questioning what the democratic socialism is that he's talking about, not just um, philosophical explorations about mortality, for example. Yeah, because, I mean, that's, that is... If we had done all of the uh, responses to the book, particularly the ones which are, um, there's a lot of, I guess, philosophy of religion responses, people uh, basically dismissing the book from a religious point of view or get, getting engaged in theological um, debates of various sorts. That's not completely yeah. uninteresting. Does but God I think exist? It I mean, yeah, we, we can pick that up some other time. But no, I, mean, I think it is important to focus on the politics, right? Because it's, that's the... The most in in our discussions in the first three episodes, I think, as it goes through the book and particularly towards a conclusion, where the rubber hits the road, as it is, that's you know where it's a bit more difficult to um, to convince people, perhaps. But uh, yeah, not to preempt too much of that. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, that's right. So we're going to try to tease out these lines of tension with uh, Hagelin's thought, and also compare that to what our issues have been with Hegland as we've gone along. So just give you a little preview of the questions that we're going to discuss. Um, for example, what is Hegland's notion of the post-capitalist democratic state? Who would actually work in the society? Do we need to be compelled or at least to have our work structured so that we actually work? And who's going to carry out this transition to a, this post-capitalist free society? Who is Hegland's agent? political agent. Um, so this, those are some of the questions that we're um, going to be discussing. And the way we're going to do this um, is we um, are going to go through um, various of the critics. Before that, just want to make a couple of announcements. You know where I'm going with this. We have local reading clubs in various cities uh, across North America, Europe, and Australasia. And if you would like to join one, set one up, meet up with other people who are already meeting up, um, that would be great. Email us at info at bungacast.com or post on the Patreon post, um, and we'll try to put you in touch, um, try to put you in touch with other people. And we'd also like to hear back from you. If you are meeting um, and have been meeting over the course of this year, for example, um, do send us an email um, or you know send us a message on Patreon and let us know how it's going. Let us know how many people you are, what you've thought of it so far. Um, we want your feedback, obviously. So um, that'd be great. And um, and then also just wanted to say thank you for joining us for this. Um, this is the fourth episode in our kind of revamped reading club. We try to do something a little bit different each year. We've also incorporated your comments about how to um, how to improve this, basically. And uh, we've tried to be a little bit more in depth on a couple of more limited works. Um, and we hope you have taken from it as much as we have. Um, so thank you for joining us. So just before um, we get to the critics, I thought we could each maybe restate what we individually thought was great or novel or troubling uh, about this life. Phil? I suppose very basically that it's, well, two things. So that he, Hagland, that is, tries to ground an account of, an account of politics, a socialist politics that's grounded in freedom and but not just in kind of an abstract freedom in the sense of a commitment to a particular set of um, 
ideals or uh, you know a particular kind of charter of rights, but in terms of ownership and control over your time. Um, and in a you know in a philosophic in a kind of very uh, basic philosophical sense, and I thought that was you know quite brilliant. And so the strong kind of existential rooting of an account of freedom and of um, what makes human life meaningful and worthwhile, and to offer that as the basis for a socialist politics, and then segueing from that into an account of how our time is not on under our control and squandered, given um, capitalist. Organ, you know, social organization such as it is. So those two things, you know, it seems to me quite, um, you know, like a, a minor, I'd say a minor stroke of genius. Um, so even though the specific arguments he deploys um, are familiar in terms of, you know, the critique of capitalism and the control over time is taken from, um, you know, is just rendered from Marx's capital and the account of, you um, the account of secular faith, as he put it, is an atheist critique of religion infused with, um, you know, kind of existential themes. So all of that is kind of, you know, it's not that there's anything, I don't think there's anything kind of especially um, novel in terms of a philosophical approach, but that it's fused together in a way that is original and compelling. And I think that's worthwhile. George? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been an interesting opportunity to reflect on a book after you've read it. Normally, I kind of, you know, finish reading a book, we might do an episode on it, and I might pick it up again later. But the fact that we've had, you know, this extra time to to read it, to read all the reviews after having finished it. Yeah, so what has really stuck with me, I think the, just the, the level of ambition, I mean, basically what Phil was saying, trying to condense all of those things, though, into one book, it's you know, that is, that it, there is something which is um, pretty impressive about just that, like uh, reaching for that, that level of <clears throat> systematicness within the philosophy and comprehensiveness. Um, I think that the critique of religion or the kind of early parts of the book, actually the humanism that comes through there, it's not like these kind of, oh, everybody who's religious is an idiot. It's trying to provide this imminent critique, i.e. religion or his particular interpretations can't live up to the promises that they that they give because those ultimate end states are self are, are contradictory i think another point it's a an attempt to try and value free time that doesn't defend or endorse ubi which is you know and we've obviously talked about how he gets to this position but that's that's kind of he hasn't gone for the easy answers but i'm a bit wondering if some of the sheen for me is is has come off the the, the whole book because of the conclusion that kind of you know, he, he goes through Martin Luther King, he kind of, it, it there's there's something maybe, and that's obviously what we're going to discuss today, around who's going to, you know, who's going to do this, what are the politics of it, that, and maybe I'm expecting too much of it, of course, but that is something which, on reflection, I'm a bit like, hmm, that isn't that more the question today, then how should we, you know, how should we live, what are the ethical foundations, you know, what are we going to, what are we going to do about it? But no, I think, um, yeah, very good, very good choice, Alex, for the first book of the, the reading club, I have to say. Well, yeah, and I mean, I, for me, I think the uh, kind of building on what you guys have said is this focus on freedom um, and a freedom which isn't just a negative freedom, not just in the sense of non-interference as it's kind of understood in kind of liberal thought or even a kind of uh, the idea of non-domination um, as in Republican thought, but a, a, a notion of freedom which is not negative also in the sense of this that like, oh, okay, well, all this bad stuff that we have in capitalism, well, in this future free society under communism, everything's going to be great. But actually, you know, he gives 
that a little bit um, a little bit of more structure than that. Um, this freedom is not just hey, you won't have to work or you won't have to work as much, but it's a freedom which is quite intimately linked with notions of responsibility and commitment, um, which are not opposed, but um, as Hegland has it, necessary complements. And I think that kind of gives it a little bit, um, you know, gives his notion of freedom a much less flabby feel than I think a lot of um, discussions and particularly kind of utopian visions often present. Um, and it, because it does that, and if you take him seriously and go, well, actually, this is a politics you want to build on, it cuts so much to the root. I mean, it's truly radical in that sense that um, it ends up cutting through. It's like a knife that cuts through all these other layers of politics and political questions that we often deal with and discuss about redistribution or peace or recognition or state power, authority, republicanism, etc. And kind of goes, okay, well, let's forget kind of to a certain extent, not forget everything we know about politics. But if this is the the goal of a, of a truly free life structured around our ability to determine collectively for ourselves what to do with our free time, then you can kind of push away a lot of other things from the side and start to reconstruct a politics on that basis. Or at least that's what it seems to promise, and we're going to come to uh, we're going to come to that because that's obviously one of the one of the questions that we're going to deal with. Before before we do that, I just wanted to ask because you said that the notion of freedom is is not flabby that that Hagland gives, and yeah, I think that is, I think that, that actually hits the nail on the head. It is quite you know it's quite a demanding, uh, like all the best kind of existentialist philosophers makes the point that freedom is you know is uh, not easy it's not like the it's not flabby i guess Freedom it's not like free. you just... it takes people like you and well me. i was i was uh, <laughs> seeing myself like heading towards that phrase and so i had to kind of um change direction at the last minute but no i think there is something in in that as well like he's it is a book about you know about freedom but it's not it doesn't take these these easy options these kind of flabby it's more sinewy or whatever it, it yeah, would be yeah, the alternative yeah, sinewy, yeah i like that um that's good Okay, so um, these critical pieces that we're going to go through um, to let you know just what they are, we're going to kind of take turns introducing them. Um, but we have some pieces from the LA Review of Book Symposium, one by Walter Ben Michaels, one by Benjamin Kunkel, one by William Clare Roberts. Um, and then we have uh, a piece by Robert Pippin, the Hegel scholar, uh, a piece by Leah Epi, and one more by Connell Cash. So anyway, we're going to go, um, Phil, why don't you start us off and tell us... Um, the critique that you're presenting is. Well, hello, listener. I hope you like what you're hearing. It's a short excerpt from an episode that's available only to subscribers. Want to support BungaCast and get at least two original episodes a month? Sign up at patreon.com slash BungaCast right now. $5 a month patrons get access to exclusive episodes like our in-depth analyses of present history. You know, the big stuff that's happening right now as well as chats with our regular guests, extended interviews with the key thinkers trying to understand our world today, and much more. For $10 a month, you join the BungoCast Reading Club, the place for those of us who are serious about equipping ourselves with the necessary intellectual tools for understanding the world and seeking to change it. Phil, George, and myself, Alex, look forward to seeing you there. Patreon.com slash BungoCast. Patreon.com slash BungoCast. 